Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. These days, many people are angry. If you're honest with yourself, maybe you are too. To be fair, God is often angry, and the things that anger God should be the things that anger us as well. However, the Apostle James wrote, the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. This means we have to be very careful about the way we express our anger. In Genesis chapter 21, we see how God is developing in Abraham humility and respect without compromising his faith. What an important lesson. Let's join Jim for the conclusion of his message, God with you in the pressures of life. You know, those of you who I just ordained pastors, you you know, the blessing to wherever you are comes to the place where you work or you live a lot of times because of you. God is blessing because of you. God opened her eyes and she saw water. That's what needs to happen to all of us. God needs to open our eyes. So we see the Lord Jesus. So we respond to the Lord Jesus. So we receive not just the water like she did, but what Jesus called living water. If you know John chapter four, if not, read it for your homework. Jesus meets this woman. She goes from guy to guy to guy. Now she's living with her boyfriend. Jesus doesn't go, oh man. Wasting my time with you, girl. He says, hey, I have living water. They meet at a well. Well, I have living water. Drink this, you'll never thirst again. She's like, where do I get this? And then what does he do? He gets the flag up to the top of the pole. He, he tells her who he is. And then she goes out and becomes an evangelist for him. Notice he didn't go, eh, it's okay, don't worry about the way you're living. No, no, he says, what you're doing is wrong but he still loved her anyway. Water is a metaphor for the provision of God. But eventually, like it did for Hagar, eventually our water is going to run out. So Jesus offers us his. Now here's the question. Do you want the living water that Jesus offers that springs up into eternal life? Do you want that? Or you just want life to be easy? So many people that like, that's all I care about. I just want life to be easy. Well, what do you do when it doesn't become easy? A couple years back, I, I had a friend through business and he had a death in the family and he considers himself an agnostic. I'm like, who do you people, uh, an atheist. I said, who do you, who do you call? It's like, we don't really call anybody, man. We don't know what to do. <laughs> See, because eventually all of us will become helpless. Eventually all of us will become distressed. Eventually all of us will become despairing. That great C.S. Lewis quote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I mean, so many of us will tell you that We came to faith in Christ through incredible pain. That God opened our eyes through hopeless despair. 
Number three, we went through God is with you in times of distress to God is with you in times of despair. Number three, God is with you in times of disagreement. Look at verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol. Now these are, these, we came across Abimelech already. Abraham's living in their land. He's the king. So these are two pagan guys. They're not, they're not followers of Yahweh. And Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. We see it, man. Everything you touch, I mean, whatever you are, I mean, you're prosperous. God is with you. Now, therefore, he says, swear to me that you will not deal falsely with me. Remember, Abraham had lied to him and said, oh, yeah, my wife is really my sister. And he, so he's saying, don't deal false with me. Don't do that anymore. Now, it's very interesting when someone would say to you, I know God is with you, but you're a liar. <laughs> Don't deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land which you have dwelt. I gave you this land. I want you to be kind to all of us because I see what God's doing in your life. You're becoming a powerful guy. God is with you. Kind of creeps me out a little, Abe. but I, I want you to watch out for us. And Abraham said, I will swear. What does he say? I'm going to curse? No. He says, we can get along. We can get along. Can you get along with unbelieving people? Can you? You're going to have to. You're going to have to. And can you be kind to them? Can you bless them? Can you bless them so much that they might actually say to you, I know you're not a perfect person, but clearly God is with you. Clearly God is with you. Verse 25, then Abraham rebuked Abimelech. He says, okay, we'll get along, but I got, I got a bone to pick with you. I know you got a bone to pick with me. I lied to you. I did. I admit it, but I got a bone to pick with you. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor have I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. They made a treaty. Now, isn't that interesting? They stole this well from Abraham and Abraham is giving a gift to the king of the thieves. And Abraham sent seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore, he called that place Beersheba because of the two of them swore an oath there. Thus, they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Now, they go to, back to their pagan land. Now, we talked a little bit about how they got along as individuals. Let's expand it a bit. Remember, I told you there's a lot in this where we're talking about this is a whole sermon. I'll try not to give the whole sermon. And I'll try not to get beyond the soapbox too long. 
if we want to make this very current, in addition to get along with people, Phicol, I mean, Abimelech is the king. Phicol is the commander of the army. And Abraham is a rich guy who lives in their country. Or now through Isaac, the church is being born, really. The people of Israel are being born. So we could say this is church and state relations. This is the people of God dealing with the government. Because both the people of God and the government are from God, the scripture teaches us. And here we see the church operating through Abraham in a way to get along with them. Now, just hold on. Don't somebody like, oh. He's, he's not antagonizing him. Notice Abraham, when he's accused of having faults and hypocrisy, he doesn't deny it. Yup. Yup. People say to me, Christians, bunch of messy people. I go, yup. Sure are. Sure are. You messy? Come to our church. You'll love it. <laughs> messy, messy people. Including the guy up there yakking away. So he admits his fault and his hypocrisy, but he doesn't compromise his values. And he calls out the issue of the well. How does he do it? He calls out the government with respect. Remember a verse we keep talking about in, in James, if you've been paying, you know, watching on Wednesday nights, or you can go back and watch them on YouTube or listen on our website, that the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. And so we want to remember that despite the fact that sometimes it seems like the government is against the people of God. But that's what's happening here. There they come out for him. Hey, we want something from you. Abraham says, fine, I'd like something from you. It seems to me that standing against anti-biblical cultural values, and you can put this under opinion, I get it, but it seems to me that standing against anti-biblical cultural values, which we should do, but when we do it with humility, that's how we make Jesus look good. Because the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. So we have to watch our tone and watch our anger in these things. And these discussions, and we're probably going to talk more about this after Easter. I'm, I'm, I really think we're going to look at the life of Daniel, what it means to live in a different land, because now we live in a different land. So I can't get out of my head. I'm sorry, but I can't get out of my head. That riot that took place in Washington, D.C., and Americans have every right to, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a free speech maniac. I really am. I think that we need to let people say ridiculous stuff. Not incite violence, but say ridiculous stuff. 
but I can't get out of my head that some people are holding up signs that say, hang Mike Pence, who is a brother in the Lord, and other people are hanging out signs that say Jesus saves. To me, that made us look really bad. Really bad. Being respectful. Stating how you feel about something. All day long. We should do that all day long. But hang a brother and Jesus saves? You know, dude, take that sign down, man. You say, I, I don't know about that, Pastor Jim. I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't get with you on that one. Okay, let me just use one example. One example. Can I use one example from the Bible? Okay. Jesus with Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was a ruthless, ruthless, corrupt politician. And how did Jesus treat him? With gentleness and respect, with meekness and fear. He wasn't afraid of him. Remember, he said to him, you'd have no power unless my Father in heaven gave it to you. Jesus honored the position that God had given to Pontius Pilate, and he did it without compromising his values. He did it without compromising who he is. And what did Pontius Pilate keep saying over and over about Jesus? I find no fault with this man. I find no fault. I don't believe a word he says, but I find no fault in this man. Now, you think he would have found fault in Peter cutting off a guy's ear? <laughs> yeah, that's not too cool. You see, Abraham demonstrates the presence of God in his life in this disagreement by demonstrating mutual respect, by trying to find a common ground, which is not always going to be easy, and a lot of times it's going to be a dead-end street. But it comes to the fact that really comes down to that they both want peace and they, they want to find some way for it not to be a bloodbath. I don't, I don't know why. And again, I know I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just expressing myself here. I get it. I'm almost done. I don't know why so many people seem to think that we have to 100% agree with someone in order to get along with them. I don't understand that at all. Remember, I said, when we went to paint this room, we asked 100 people what color, and we got 300 opinions. <laughs> so we hired an interior decorator. You see, if everybody has to agree on everything, you know what that does? Do you know what that does? I'll tell you what it does. It ruins marriages. It ruins friendships. It ruins families. It ruins businesses. It ruins churches. 
It ruins denominations. And you know what's another thing that's going to do? And I want to talk to the young people about this. Really, serious, dead serious here. It's even probably going to keep some of you out of politics, which is a doggone shame. Because we need you in the political realm. We need you there. It's a real shame. Followers of Jesus who actually act like followers of Jesus have a lot to contribute to one another and to the world. But hatred? We see what hatred's done to the world, haven't we? The anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. I'm not saying don't speak your mind. I'm saying speak your mind. Maybe speak your mind more than you ever did. But be aware of the way we do it. Verse 33, only because we become easy targets. We become really easy targets. Verse 33, then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham and God stayed there in the land of the Philistines many days. So having settled the matter, Abraham worships the everlasting God. Everlasting means he's not just the God of the past, but he's the God of the present and he's the God of the future. For, for a follower of Jesus, that's one of the beauties of venturing into the unknown because we know as we move into the future that God's always there. And, and, and notice here that God does something that self-centered people don't get at all. He called Abraham to stay. Despite the disagreements, despite the fact that the people didn't agree with everything that he said, he called them to stay. Certainly, if the Lord is with us, in the small pressures of life, in the large pressures of life, if he's providing for us, there's nothing to fear because we know he's with us. I have to help you answer this question. How do you know God is with you? 2,000 years later, the apostle Paul explains really what's going on here in Galatians chapter 4 by comparing all of people to Hagar and Sarah, to Isaac and Ishmael. Galatians 4, 22 and 23, he writes this. He's comparing living under performance versus living under the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of promise. He says this, Galatians 4.22, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the bondwoman and the other by the free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. Jumping down to verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. So Christians are children of the promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, when, they, when there was sin, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, Isaac. Even so it is now. So should we be surprised? No. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman, quotes Sarah. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. 
So the Apostle Paul says in that text, he uses sort of an allegory here. Uh, you teachers can explain to the students that word. Um, and he explains a hidden meaning here that Hagar and Ishmael stand for those who think that self-effort is going to get them into heaven. That's what they stand for. Here's the question. When somebody says, I think being a good person is how you get to heaven, you go, how good is good enough? There's your easy question. Uh, well, me, right? <laughs> you see the answer. <laughs> you know, well, I'm not Hitler. Well, big deal. I mean, there's not only so many of those. But see, you and I, we don't decide that. God does, and any of us could be cast out. Sarah and Isaac stand for those who are living by faith, trusting in the promise of God through the promised son. As children of God's promise, they could never be cast out. They are pictures of those who put their trust in God's promise, the Lord Jesus Christ. On the cross, the Lord Jesus, the son of promise, how was he treated? He was treated like the son of flesh. He was cast out. Why? So those who trust him could inherit the promises of God. On the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So those who trust in God and Jesus would never say that. Hagar and Ishmael were left to die in the wilderness. They didn't. On the cross, Jesus said what? I thirst. And he died on the cross. Hagar did not want to watch her son die. But on the cross, God the Father watched his son die. So he would never have to watch those who put their trust in Jesus die. Abraham planted a tree. Jesus was crucified on a tree, on a wooden cross. Like Isaac was mocked on that cross, Jesus was mocked. Remember, Abraham offered something to the party that offended him. He he gives a gift to the guys who stole from him. In the same way, God gave the most precious thing he had, his son, to those who had deeply offended him by thumbing their nose at him. The Apostle John wrote these words, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, but as many as received him or put their trust in Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. What does it mean to believe in his name? You trust in Jesus for all he is, Savior and Lord, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, like Ishmael, nor of the will of man, but of God, born like Isaac, We talked about last week, the miraculous new birth. So I just need to ask you all here, watching online, one simple question. It's a choice between two two things. You just got to choose between two things. That's it. Whose child are you? Are you the child of the bondwoman, trusting in your own effort to get you to heaven? Or... Are you the child of the promise, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? 
How do you know? It's actually pretty easy. Even if you say you've put your trust in Jesus, let me ask you this question. What do you think of Jesus? What do you think of the cross and resurrection? Does Jesus still fill you with joy? Or do you get angry when you hear you can't do it yourself? Those who receive Jesus, who have believed in his name, had their eyes opened, hold tightly on to him, and can and are invited to come constantly to drink of living water. So hold on to Jesus. Drink that living water in all the pressures of life and even in death. Because no matter where God takes you, no matter where he takes me, he is with us in all the pressures of our lives. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.